Hey, friends, I don't know about you, but um, I've noticed that we're having a little bit more daylight, especially in the mornings. When I go on my morning walk, there's more light. And I really like that. What that means is it indicates that we are moving from winter and on a journey towards spring, right? Our, our seasons are changing. It's great. You know, here in Southern California, we have, we have two seasons, <laughs> nice and, and really, really nice. <laughs> the church is also in a season, in the season of Lent, as we were reminded in our Ash Wednesday service not long ago. And in the season of Lent, it allows us as a church, as a, the people of God, to, to reflect on our our lives, our spiritual lives, as a congregation, uh, we have been on a journey with Jesus and the disciples through the gospel according to Mark. So I want to invite you to turn with me to uh, Mark chapter 4, where Jesus uh, has just finished a, a full day of ministry along with the disciples, and they're ready to take some time away, and Jesus says, let's get in the boat and let's go across to the other side on the Sea of Galilee. So let's join in and enter into the story. It's a familiar story, well-loved by the church. Chapter 4, verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was dead calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Many have wondered about this detail about Jesus being asleep in the back of the boat. How can Jesus still be asleep if this storm is so fierce as Mark records? Is it because he's a sound sleeper? Is it because that he's just so tired from the ministry of, of the day before, he's just exhausted, and now he puts his head down on a cushion and he is just sound asleep? He, Nothing's going to wake him up. Others suggest that Jesus is so confident in the providence of God that nothing can startle him and nothing will awaken him. He knows that he is in God's hands. Others have argued quite convincingly that the detail about Jesus' head on a cushion indicates that this is an eyewitness account. Many believe that when Peter was in prison in Rome and and Mark came to visit. Peter told Mark the story. And you can imagine they're in prison and, and 
Peter's going, yeah, we were on the boat. You remember that? And it was so violent, the storm. And Jesus is back there, and he's got his head on a cushion. That detail indicates that it's an eyewitness account. You know, we don't know for sure, dear friends, but there it is all the same, the way Mark records this event. You know, there's a parallel story in the Hebrew Scriptures, the, the Old Testament, in the book of Jonah. Just like Jesus, Jonah is in a boat, and there's suddenly a storm. And just like Jesus, Jonah is sound asleep, sawn logs. In both stories, the sailors, the disciples, they're startled, they're worried, they're terrified for their lives because of this storm. And in both stories, the sailors, the disciples, they wake up the holy man, the prophet. And in both stories, they say, why are you asleep? How can you be sleeping through this? What are we going to do? Our lives are in peril. In Jonah, they, the sailors say, cry out to your God. Save us. Well, we know what happens to Jonah. He says, that's not going to help. You just need to throw me overboard. In our story, Jesus is awoke, and he looks at the wind and the seas and says, be still. Each story, there was this miraculous divine intervention. And in each story, those who are aboard the ship are more terrified by what they witness and how fast the seas become calm than they are in the storm originally. It wasn't like the seas just suddenly calmed down and, and gradually happened, and there's a few ways. It just instantly, and Mark tells us it's a dead calm. Terror ripped through their hearts at what they saw. The church loves this story, and we love this story. I love this story of Jesus there with the disciples. It's almost a, a symbol of the church. There's the Lord with the church through the wind and through the storm. No doubt you've heard this story preached before, and, and maybe even from me, and how Jesus can calm the storm, whether it's out in the open seas or the storms in our own lives, and can bring peace. It's a powerful application and certainly worthy of consideration because Christ is very much able to, to bring peace into our lives. Peace out of the chaos. And who among us hasn't cried out like the disciples have, right? Don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care that you know, we're, we're about to sink? Things don't look good. Mark's church would have easily understood this and, and identified with they, too, have the same questions that are going on in their own lives and the, the persecution against the church and, and the difficulties that they're facing day to day. Don't you care about the chaos, God? Don't you care about my life, my family life, chaos in our community, the chaos in our world? However, those who know about these things, they argue that the actual intent of this story runs a little deeper. Um, it's not that Jesus promises that he'll instantly correct any difficult situation that we face, but rather challenges us to think whether we will have faith in and through the storms we face. Hey, check this out. 
This is a painting by a master, the Rembrandt. I really like how Rembrandt has captured the moment, depicting some of the disciples there at, at the front, trying to batten down the hatches, per se, right? Others are there. One is heaving over the side, seasick, if you can make it out on the screen. Maybe you'll have to look it up later. The two are waking Jesus up. One is just staring back at, at us. One is just sitting there resigned, like, well, this is what's going to happen. Too late. One is just full of fear. Another one is deep in prayer. Back to the one that's just looking right back at us. As if to say, imagine yourself in the boat with Jesus and the disciples. Closer look at the one looking back at us, it's actually Rembrandt. It's a self-portrait. And he's saying, you know what? Why don't you imagine what it's like to be in the boat with Jesus in this chaos? That's what I did. I'm inviting you to do the same. I took that to heart this week. And I thought about what it would be like to be in the boat with Jesus and the disciples. And I thought about the questions that Jesus asked. Those two questions. They're, they're knit together, aren't they? The first question is, why are you afraid? Why are you terrified? There's a pretty obvious answer to that. Well, Lord, we're in the middle of a storm. And, you know, I don't know if you knew, but while you were sleeping in the back of the boat, we were about to be swamped and sink. The second question, though, you know, in that question, Jesus might be hinting at, well, there's, there's two types of fear. There's a healthy fear and there's an unhealthy fear. A healthy fear is good. It reminds the fishermen to be prepared for an event like this. Like there's healthy fear in our lives. When we get into the car, we put on our seatbelt out of fear, right? A healthy fear. We don't want to get in an accident, but if we do, we'll have that seatbelt on. A healthy fear of parents. They, they put little locks on the cupboard doors so that their toddler doesn't pull out everything and, and get into stuff that they shouldn't get into, right? A healthy fear. There's an unhealthy fear, especially on a spiritual level. An unhealthy fear that leads to hopelessness. A, a momentum that leads to despair. We freeze in this type of fear. It, it tears whatever trust that we had to begin with. Eventually, it crushes hope. We turn inward in unhealthy ways. Spiritual fear, the kind of fear that Jesus is calling the disciples out on this. He knows if it gets out of hand, it only leads to deeper despair and hopelessness. But wrapped up into that question of fear is also the question of faith. Do you have no faith? Now, in each gospel, uh, this story... Matthew and Luke, Matthew records it as, ye of little faith. And Luke also says, where is your faith? But not here in Mark. Mark says, do you still have no faith? I think it's different. It's not like, hey guys, show a little faith in me. You know, I've been with you this long. Come on. Or, hey, where is your faith? Like you dropped it and find it around the boat somewhere. No, Jesus is saying, you have no faith. And he's rebuking the disciples just as he rebuked the wind and the waves. No faith. No faith claims God is not in control. No faith claims that 
God's power is limited. No faith says, you don't care. No faith says, you're leaving me wandering, you've abandoned me, Lord. No faith. Friends, that is different than lamenting. Lamenting and crying out to God. Crying out to God, why, and the things that we don't understand. Crying out to God, God, why is this happening? Why have 500,000 people in our country lost their lives to this disease? Why? We lament. People have lost their lives. People have lost their business. They poured their life savings in 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 their business and their lives, and suddenly it's gone. We don't know why. Why some people weather the storm, why some people prosper and others don't. Friends, we don't have all the answers to the storms we face and and why some storms eventually take our lives. Once again, in the Hebrew Bible, in the book of Job, they ask that question over and over again. Why? Why, God? Why do these things happen? Job doesn't get his answer, and neither do we. But what we do get in faith is a reminder of the divine power of God. Notice Jesus doesn't pray, God, will you calm the seas? Will you calm the storm? He doesn't say, hey, Lord, you know, look down our direction. Do you see what we're going through? Can you help me and my buddies? No. Jesus just says, be still. Peace. Mark is reminding the church that that same power that, was, that brought calm out of the chaos that we read about in Genesis, that same divine power is now in the Messiah, the man that they're in the boat with. What we get is that in faith is reminded that our Lord of the universe has not left us out to sea to contend with the uncertainties in the, this world, the unruly parts of creation alone. No, he's with us. And not just with us, but we have purpose together. What we get in faith is a God with us, Emmanuel. God with us, right? A God we can cry out to in our distress. When the storms rage, when we're threatened, things that are going to sink our plans, our jobs, our relationships, our dreams. We pray with both fear and faith. Our hope and our worry, our distress and our calm. We pray, we cry out to God in our joys and our sorrows. What does Paul remind the church? Make your request known to God. And the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What we get, dear friends, is the assurance, the foundation of our faith that... That our God not only has the power over the wind and the waves, but indeed over sin and death. And the disciples will need that faith on Friday when their Lord is arrested, beaten, hung on a cross, and dies. They'll need that faith on Saturday when everything is quiet. And they'll need that faith when they go to the empty tomb. And they'll need that faith when they sit there around the campfire on Easter when the Lord is with them and breaks bread with them. Peter will need that faith when the Lord says, do you love me? 
Three times she'll say, yes, Lord, you know I do. They'll need that. That's the faith. Do you have no faith is what Jesus is saying in the boat. We have faith, dear friends. Have faith. As the Apostle Paul reminds us, what we do get and what he is convinced of, that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor anything present nor anything to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. Dear friend, whatever storm you face this week, remember that. Whatever storm in relationships, career, health, loneliness, isolation, indifference, whatever it is, what we do get in faith is a reminder that we are not our own, that we belong in life and in death, that we belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. May that be true today and all the tomorrows to come. Dear friends, think back to that painting I showed you earlier. There are the disciples at the front. They're fighting the wind and the waves, right? They're lowering the sails, they're, they're wrapping up the lines, and they're calling out to one another, we can handle this, right? In many ways, that's the church. In the midst of the storm, there's an ongoing work ahead of us. There's an ongoing mission that we're called to. Yes, we've had to, to suspend our in-person worship, suspend some of our events and activities, but we have not suspended our mission. And this morning, I've invited our mission elder, Katie Sherlock, to, to be with us, to share with us what's going on in our mission. So I invite Katie forward to share with us this morning. Thank you, Katie, for joining us this morning. Well, and thank you for having me. Good morning, TPC. I just wanted to thank you from your mission committee and provide a few updates as to, the few, as to the ways God is working through TPC. Currently, we're working with our, um, we're working to put together Easter treats for some of our mission partners. One is our sister church of Santa Ana Presbyterian, providing a smile and a prayer for the children in their program, and an opportunity to check in with these families that Santa Ana Press may not otherwise have been able to provide. In addition, our own family ministries team has been partnering with AgeWell Senior Services, providing Easter blessings and homemade crafts for their Meals on Wheels program to go directly to some of our local senior citizens. In addition, we're arranging to provide some financial assistance to a couple different local organizations. Northeast of the Well is an organization who provides Bible studies and assistance to people in transition and enable them to find their own transformation through God. In addition, Orange County Rescue Mission, as it works to raise the final money to finish their Tustin Veterans Outpost that will provide veterans the resources they need to become self-sufficient. In these times of storm for so many people, we are able to provide a ray of sunshine to others, reminding us of the way that God provides hope. I want to thank you and let you know that when you give to TPC, it allows TPC to share some of God's hope with others. Katie, thank you. And thank you.